Thank you for joining our broadcast today at City Life Church. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry to change your life. So please take a moment to send us your story at info at citylifechurch.cc. And if God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially to help us to bring God's word to other people. You can go to our website at citylifechurch.cc to find the giving options that work best for you. We've got an encouraging word for you, and we pray that you lean in and engage as we head into the auditorium for today's message. I want to talk to you today for just a few moments about the one. Somebody say the one. Look at your neighbor, say the one. Say, I am the one. Look at your neighbor, say, you are the one. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus began to talk to us in a parable. In verse 8, he said, and suppose a woman had 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus in a parable talks about the lost sheep. He said, if a man has a hundred sheep, And one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? Jesus talks about the one lost coin and how diligently the woman would search until she found the one lost coin. And when she found it, she would celebrate and invite her friends and family because that which was lost had now been found. He likened it to that what happens in heaven when one sinner comes to know Christ. Then he talks about a shepherd leading sheep and how one would go astray and not only be lost but many times hurt or broken and how the shepherd would leave the multitude and he would find the one. You see, Jesus was moved by the multitude. Everywhere Jesus went, unless he pulled away for a time of isolation, there was always a multitude. Jesus was moved by the multitude, but he was concerned and intentional about the one. You know, I watched a movie not long ago called Hacksaw Ridge. Anybody seen Hacksaw Ridge? It's a love story. No, it's not. It's like one of those mushy Valentine movies. It's actually the story of Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss was a pacifist combat medic. He was seventh day at Venice, and he did not believe that it was right for him to carry a weapon and use it against another human. But in World War II, he joined the army and he became a combat medic. He loved his country and wanted to serve. He he was ridiculed and um, really just harmed and at times even beat up and they bullied. but, But he went to fight in World War II and he found himself in the Battle of Okinawa. And this soldier without a weapon found himself in one of the most fierce battles that our army has ever known. And as he was on the battlefield tending to people that were hurting and dying, they said the smoke in the air became almost set to a place where you could not even see just feet in front of you. And he began to crawl through the bodies and he would check those that were alive. And if they were alive and he believed they would be able to live, he would carry them on his back as he crawled to safety and then he would put them and lower them down over a ravine. And then he would crawl back in and find another soldier. And finally, they began to hear the testimonies how Desmond Doss was calling and dragging these soldiers to safety. He'd be the only pacifist to ever win the Medal of Honor. 
They would ask him, he said, how many did you say? He said, oh, maybe 50, I'm not sure. But over 100 men would testify that Desmond Doss went in and pulled them out of harm's way, and today they were living because of him. They asked him when they were giving him the Medal of Honor, how was it that in this ferocious battle in Okinawa, while others were dying and others were retreating and others were running, without a weapon you were able to find those that were wounded and bring them to safety? He said, every time I found a body and I got them to safety, I would pray this prayer, Lord, help me find just one more. He said, I would find another and then I would pray again, Lord, help me find just one more. You know, Jesus was moved by the multitudes. People wanted to be with Jesus because of his presence and his power. But Jesus was always intentional and concerned about the one. He was always intentional about stopping. We find in John chapter 4, as the disciples were ministering, he pulled away from the multitudes and he told his disciples, I need to go by Samaria. They stopped and said, Jesus, we don't like the Samaritans. And Jesus said, but I feel compelled because I have an appointment at a well. And the Bible said Jesus showed up at a well and along came a woman. And the Bible said as he encountered this lady that she came to draw water, he asked her for water. And she looked at him and said, surely you would not ask me for water. You're a Jew, I'm Samaritan. You're a man, I'm a woman. And if you knew my backstory, you really would not even ask me for water. He said, I'm here because of your backstory. Matter of fact, you've looked for love in all the wrong places. You've tried and tried and still have never found the answer. And at a well, one woman encountered one man and everything changed. We find in John chapter 5, Jesus again, the Bible said, traveling with the multitudes. But the Bible said when he encountered a man in the place called the house of mercy, sitting by a pool, Jesus stopped in the midst of the multitudes and asked this one man a question. The Bible said he asked him just the simple question of this, will you be made whole? Do you want to be better? Oh man, that's tough. Do you want to be better? Immediately, just like us, he began to give excuses. Anybody ever give excuses to God? Maybe I'm the only one. Come on, don't look at me all religious like that. He said, it's not even the right time. What he didn't understand was he was talking to the fullness of time. And then he said, when it is the time, somebody always cuts in line and gets in before me. You ever felt like everybody else was getting blessed, but not you? You ever felt like everybody, man, look at them. They've got the third house, and I still am in a rented apartment. Lord, they've got nine new cars. Am I just being held together? Lord, they're being blessed over. I'm telling you, how you walk through life and how you see the blessing of God many times is what allows it to be a conduit in your own life. He said, when others are being blessed, when I, I try to get in, they cut in and get. Then, then he said this, he said, matter of fact, when I tried to get in, I had nobody to help carry me in. Here, here's the reality. If you are waiting for someone to carry you into the promise and the purpose of God for your life, it will never happen. A preacher cannot preach you there. Worshipers cannot worship you there. A church cannot program you there. It is up to you and I to get up and walk the walk of faith, journey the journey of faith. That's why the Bible said this book right here is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. If you ever possess the word of God, it begins to illuminate where you are, who you are, and where you are going. He said, every time I try to get in, I, it's too late. Every time I try to go in, somebody else cuts in. And then it's, I've never had anybody to help me in. And after 38 years, the Bible said, one question changed his life. What if one 
word change your life today? What if one question changed the outlook of your future? One question. He said, do you want to be better? Do you want more out of life than what you've experienced? And the Bible said in a moment, after 38 years, something happened. The Bible said there was a breakthrough. And Jesus looked at him and said, now get your bed up, get your stuff together. Your faith has made you whole. This is not your address any longer. One man in the midst of a multitude, Jesus encountered 38 years of sitting there. Jesus had time for the one. The Bible said in Mark chapter four, Jesus looked at his disciples, said, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. We have an appointment with destiny. And the Bible said they got in the boat and the Bible said these men that understood the navigation of the sea, the Bible said in the journey something happened because these men became fearful. Now it had to be pretty bad on the boat that day because most of the guys on that boat made their living on the water. It had to get pretty dark. It had to be pretty rocky for these men to become fearful because these men knew what it was to be on the water and be through a storm. But the Bible said when they looked for Jesus and water was getting in the boat, they found him sleeping. They woke Jesus up, said, don't you care that we're about to sink? Jesus jumped up and said, oh, ye of little faith. He spoke peace to the winds and the waves. And the Bible said then immediately they made it to the other side. And the Bible says multitudes gather. Jesus got off the boat, walked through the multitudes, walked into the land and found a man that was possessed by the devil, the Bible said. And the Bible said he began to speak to those demons that were, uh, were literally wrapping him as hard in his mind. And the Bible said he was set free. And the Bible said something supernaturally happened in that moment. Here's what you have to see. Jesus encountered a storm to get to the one. Jesus battled the storm to get to the one. Jesus battled disbelief to get to the one. And he is still doing that today. He is still making his way through the storms of life just to get to one. And the Bible said when this happens something began to spark in that region when Jesus passed through there again this one man that was full of the devil the Bible said now he was a revivalist and he set that region on fire with the presence of God I'm telling you Jesus always had time for the one we find Jesus gets off a boat and the Bible said when he gets off the boat and it's in your notes on the app but we're not going to read it for the sake of time the Bible said when he gets off the boat the Bible said he encounters a man from the synagogue named Jairus. And Jairus tells Jesus, standing in the midst of a multitude of people, that he has a need at his house. He said, my daughter that is 12 years old is about to die. Immediately, Jesus begins to move with the multitude to the house of Jairus. Moving with the multitude, but yet intentional about the one. And in the journey, something happens. The Bible said Jesus fills a tug on his garment, and he stops. And he said, who touched me? The disciples said, are you crazy? We have to have crowd control. We've got 12 armor bearers. They're thronging us. They're about to run us over. And you want to know who touched you? And this is what Jesus said. He said, the crowd is pressing. Many are thronging. But somebody touched me. Somebody touched me with faith because I felt healing power leave my body. And the Bible said the woman realized she could be hid no more. And she simply lifted her hand and said, it's me. Here's what the Bible said. She went to every doctor, but the doctors gave no hope. She was out of money, the Bible said. And the Bible said no one could help her. But she crawled through a crowd, touched Jesus' garment, and he stopped. Standing in the multitude on the way to Jairus' house, he had time for this broken woman that should not even have been in the crowd. And Jesus looked at her and said, your faith has made you whole. The Bible said the servant from Jairus' house came and said, don't even trouble the teacher any longer. Your daughter is now sick any longer. She has now died. There's no hope. Jesus looks at Jairus' just believe. They keep walking. They get to the house. The Bible said when he gets to the house, 
There are many that are crying and mourning because there's just a sadness. They believe there's no hope. And then when Jesus says, don't cry, she's going to live. They start laughing. I'm telling you, there are two types of people that you will encounter in your journey. People that fail to believe with you and people that laugh at you because they see the, the present circumstance that you're living in. But Jesus did something. He said, I'm looking, he said matter of fact, give, give me my three boys, Peter, James, and John. Those were his three amigos. Those were the ones that he knew could walk through disbelief with him. Those were the ones that he knew could battle hell with him. Those were the ones that he knew would have his back. The Bible said Peter, James, and John. And then I know the mother and the father have desperate faith. Mama and dad, you're going in with me. And the Bible said Jesus, Peter, James, and John, the mother and the father, that's six. They went in, they closed the door. And the Bible said he leaves the multitude outside. He leaves the disbelief outside. He leaves the scoffers and the mockers outside. He walks in and he ministers to one young girl. Now watch this whole story. In this journey, he reaches one lady that is a present former generation, but he also has time for the next generation. I want City Life to be a church that not only ministers to the people of the now generation, but we're always speaking to the next generation. We're always speaking life to the generation that God is rising up. And the Bible said, six went in. And Jesus simply looked at the little girl and said, arise, arise. And the Bible said, she got up, six went in, and seven came out. I'm telling you, when Jesus stopped, what you saw go in is not what comes out. What you you saw go in is not what comes out the other side and some of you right now you're experiencing life and you're walking through this season and what you're experiencing is not what you desire but I've got good news the one that will stop the one that will pay attention to the very present moment of your life has the ability to take what you saw go in and bring a harvest and bring a breakthrough out the other side see here's the reality here is the reality there was a time I was the one there was a time you were the one where he stopped in your journey and he stopped the busyness and he reached down and he touched your life. There was a moment that I was the one. There are still times that I need his touch in my life. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I am the one. I'm the one in need. I'm sitting by the pool. I'm at the well. I'm just crawling, trying to get to him. Maybe I'm the one. I've got good news. The same Jesus that stopped with the woman, the same Jesus that visited the pool, the same Jesus that sat on the well, he is in this room today. He is still speaking, he's still stopping, he's still speaking, he's still ministering. But here's what you have to understand. The one matters to God. The one matters to God. So the reality is the one should matter to me. I'm going to ask Chris to go ahead and come to the keyboard today. You know, me and Pastor Casey, a couple of weeks ago, we were at our, our time we had with uh, our newcomers and those people desiring to be connected to the house. And I uh, got to, you know, we played some games, we laughed. And when we left, we got in the car. And the minute we got, we were in Pastor Casey's car, we got in the car and she had this old oldies but goodies Christian station on. It wasn't like, you know, like Joy FM. It was like some um, AM station that had like these old Christian songs. I mean, like Christian songs, like from like back when we were growing up. Christian songs when we were just kids. And um, they, they were like, you know, what a friend we have in Jesus. Anybody know that? 
victory in Jesus, you know, that old school stuff. And, you know, it, it, you know, it's kind of, we talked about how it reminded us when we were kids. And we're listening to this, we're laughing, and we pull up to the stop sign at, ha- at Himes and Bush. And when I looked over, there was a lady standing on the corner. And immediately, I don't know what it was, but it was almost like I could see every drop of sweat on her brow. She had a sign that said, I'm hungry. And in a moment, I could see the desperation in her eyes, and I could see the brokenness over her life. And I told Casey, I said, roll down the window. And um, I asked Casey if she had any cash on her, and she got some cash out of her wallet. And I called the lady over, and I gave her some money, and I said, God bless you, we're praying for you. And for a moment, she smiled. And it was really just a funny moment in a sense because in this old Christian radio station, as we gave the money, this song came on. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will we realize? For the last two weeks, I just, like every morning I hear this song sitting in a global room talking about God moving with the masses. Jesus was always moved by the multitudes, but he always stopped for the one. There was a time I was the one. Sometimes I'm still the one. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm the one. The one matters to Jesus. My prayer is that it matters to us. I'm praying that there's a personal revival. My my question that I felt the Holy Spirit asked me was, Tony, when was the last time you publicly shared your faith? Not from a platform. I do that every week. But how many times in the last season have I just asked somebody that I really didn't know? Not somebody sitting across the desk counseling with me. We're at Starbucks because there's already a relationship with somebody in life. You're doing okay. There's always a better plan. And the Holy Spirit challenged me that people need the Lord. Would you stand with me this afternoon? Listen. In Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, one of my favorite scriptures, the Father declared this over the people of God. He said, for I know the plan I have for you says the Lord. A plan of prosperity, a plan of hope, one that has an expected end, a plan that will never harm you. You know when God gave that scripture to the people of God? It wasn't after a jubilant Sunday morning service. It wasn't coming out of a victorious season where a conquering king was reigning and leading the people of God. But it was in a dark season where the people of God were walking into the abyss of captivity. Where there seemed to be no hope and the voice of God seemed to be silent. And false prophets were rising in the land speaking things that were not true. But all of a sudden through a prophet in a dark season, God began to rise up with the word. And he said, I know the plan that I have. I know you can't see it, but I've got a plan. I know you can't feel it, but there's always a hope. I know you don't understand it, but your best is yet to come. I want you to know that there is an expected end. And this is not the final chapter. That's the kind of God we 
serve. We serve a God that when the world is at its worst, he said, I'm always at my best. I will show up at a well. I will show up at a pool. I will show up in Tampa, Florida. I will show up and I will stop not only meeting with the multitude or a Sunday morning service with a thousand believers, but in a dark place for the one. My prayer is this. We're going to pray two things today. We're going to first pray if you're the one, Jesus is here for you. And then we're going to pray that we are reminded and we are stirred. And that we believe that God is going to put the one in our path. Would you pray with me today? Would you pray this prayer? Everyone in this room say, Jesus, I need you. I'm the one. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me of every sin. Cleanse me of anything that's not like you. I declare today that I am a child of God. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. And I will follow you. I am the one. I am the one. I am the one in need of a Savior. Amen. And amen. Father, we celebrate that. Now let me pray over you. Listen, I want to pray now that you realize you're the one. That the Holy Spirit leads you to find the one. That every day you, you get up and you remember people need the Lord. You get up and realize there's a hurting world that needs healing. We invade the marketplace and our schools with a mission of the cross. So Father, I pray over City Life Church today. I declare, Father, that we have been given the authority of the kingdom of heaven. Father, we have been given the ability to go into the earth and release your kingdom. But Father, as we move with the multitudes and we move through the busyness of life, Father, provoke us and stir us and challenge us that you have put the one in our path. Father, I pray that we are hope to the hopeless. We are light to darkness. We are the hands and feet of the good news in the earth. And with the voice of clarity, not because we say it, because we are it. The one that was reached, reaching another. Each one reaching one. Start a personal revival in each of us. Stir our heart from the moment we wake to the minute we lay our head to rest. Stir us, Father, that we are the answer for the world. The church is the hope of glory in the earth. Put the one in our path. Put the one in our journey. Let us have kingdom opportunities to be you in the earth. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever. Amen and amen. Now take those hands and put them together. Thank you again for joining us for today's broadcast. Our prayer is that it ministered to you and it changed your life. If there's anything we can pray with you about or God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, please send us an email to info at citylifechurch.cc. 
We want to invite you to be our guest at one of our Sunday or Wednesday worship experiences. And you can find our times and locations on our website at citylifechurch.cc. You can also download our City Life Church app on your smartphones or tablets for more online messages. It was great having you with us today, and we'll see you next time.